Ephesians 6, 5 through 9. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with deep respect for your, and fear. Serve them sincerely as you would serve Christ. Try to please them all the time, not just when they are watching you. As slaves of Christ, do the will of God with all your heart. Work with enthusiasm as though you are working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will reward each one of us for the good we do, whether we are slaves or free. Masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Don't threaten them. Remember, you both have the same master in heaven as he has no favorites. We are continuing our series on new life in Christ from the book of Ephesians. And in this section, we are using a theme verse from Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21, on being in submission one to another. We talked about that in dealing with husbands and wives. We talked about that in dealing with fathers and children. But in this part of the book of Ephesians, we come to some terms that are somewhat unfamiliar to us today, slaves and masters. Now, I would say to you, please keep in mind that the theme verse is still the same. Chapter 5, verse 21, mutual submission, one submitting to another, and it's talking about masters and slaves. Now, one of the things we have to remember is we are talking about, and, and this is a part of the context of the passage. We have to look back to the scriptures and think about what the Bible says about masters and slaves. Uh, in the Bible, there were five ways to become a slave. One of those is to be conquered by an enemy. Um, the little slave girl, I, I think somebody mentioned this in our staff meeting the other day. Uh, Shelley mentioned the little slave girl who served Naaman's wife, who was so interested in the welfare of her master, Naaman, that she wished for him to know the God of Israel and to be healed. Maybe that's not the idea of slavery that, that we have, but that is the biblical view. They were conquered, which means, Chris, they had two options. They could die or they could serve the one who had conquered them. And that was a very common way of becoming a slave in the Old Testament. Uh, and in Paul's day, for that matter, you could be sold into slavery. Now... Most of the time, you know, even in the history of our nation and the slave markets, um, unfortunately, most of those who were sold in the slave markets were sold into slavery either by their enemies or by their own families. And so you could be sold into slavery. Um, one of the examples of being conquered by an enemy was... Um, was Daniel. One of those who was sold into slavery was Joseph. 
Now, we think about being sold into slavery as a terrible thing, but that was God's plan for Joseph. We look at it as a detour. Joseph was wise enough to realize that was God's way of preparing him for a marvelous ministry, even though he was not a preacher, he was not a prophet, but God used him as a secular individual to preserve the nation of Israel, but the path that he chose for him was a path of slavery. He was sold into slavery. And a third way, and we don't usually think about this, and I will admit my recent reading uh, through the Bible is came, I recognized or remembered, I've seen it before, but Tony, I recognize that if you're born into slavery, that is if your parents, even one of your parents, are a slave, then the children are born into slavery. Now, they can be bought out of slavery. They can, at one point, buy themselves out of slavery. But that is the third way in the Bible and in Roman times that you would become a slave. Oddly enough, you might sell yourself into slavery because you may be so far in debt. By the way, we're going to do a series coming up next year on mammon is a mean master. Mammon is a mean master. You'll have to wait and see. If you don't know who mammon is, you'll find out later. But debt is slavery. The Bible teaches that clearly. Debt is deadly. Debt is dangerous. And debt is slavery. And Tim, there were people who had to sell themselves in order to pay off. Their debt had become so great they could not pay it, and they sold themselves into slavery because they could not pay off their debt. The fifth way is volunteering for slavery. You say, who in their right mind would do that? I have. You have. You see, there's a principle in the Old Testament, John, that if you are serving a master that loves you and you love him and you want to serve him, you're not asking to be set free to be on your own. You say, I love my master. Don, they would back you up to a post. I hope a wooden one. And they would drive an awl, a punch, through your ear. And you would wear a gold ring through that ear, and that identified you as a bond slave. Jonathan, when my son Tim was a junior in school, all the seniors were getting their ears pierced. And he came to me, Todd, and he said, Dad, when I'm a senior, can I get my ear pierced? And I said, Son, when you become a senior, if you still want your ear pierced, I will do it for you. You know, he never mentioned that again. <laughs> Back up to the post and hole punch the ear. <laughs> Driving all through the ear. And that marks you as a bond slave. And I said, I've done that. I, I, I don't have the ear ring. But I gave my life to Jesus Christ. 
And Paul calls, calls all of us who have followed the Lord in faith, followed Him in baptism, or pursuing a right relationship with God, trying to walk with Him every day, Paul called himself a bond servant. One who is voluntarily save, serving our Master, the Lord Jesus Christ. There is a sense that we have all been bought with a price. We have been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ and we are His bondservants. Uh, I saw a, a bus, one of the city buses passed by the other day, Sandy, and, and I noticed written on the side of the bus the quote from Martin Luther King Jr. One third, well, sorry, next. Not everybody can be famous, but everyone, everybody can be great because greatness is determined by service. Now, that full quote was not on the bus, but it made me go look it up. Not everyone can be famous, but everybody can be great because greatness is determined by service. You only need a heart full of grace and a soul generated by love. In Paul's day, one-third of the population of the Roman Empire were slaves. It was so common, in fact, that many of the slaves, household slaves especially, were considered an integral part of the family, the, of the household, and maybe even an extended part of the family. Slavery in that day is very different than our picture of slavery in, of our nation in a few years ago. But that grace that Martin Luther King talked about that we need in order to serve leads me to the title of our message today, Grace in the Workplace Through Mutual Submission. I've already mentioned Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21, and further submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Not necessarily that you deserve it or I deserve it or somebody else deserves it, but out of reverence for Christ, we submit to one another. Now, in Grace in the Workplace, there's two points. Uh, I, I told my staff I was going to have a two-point sermon. They got all excited. And I said, yeah, but there's 16 subpoints. It's okay to laugh. There's too much truth in that, right, Catherine? Number one, he talks about demonstrating grace when serving. Now, I need you to understand, we're not masters and slaves, but we work for one another. You are an employer or you are an employee. And the same principles, the biblical principles, Chris, work for what Paul was saying because of the slavery in his day. We may not have slavery, but we do serve one another. You're either serving or you're being served or you're in a position of both. And we need to do that with mutual submission and we need to do that with grace. If you are serving someone behind the counter at Walmart, you need to do it 
with grace. If you're working for, well, I'm, I started to say Verizon, and I don't know whether to say Verizon, AT&T, uh, or Consumer, or T-Mobile, or if you're on, it's called customer service. And that means you're serving someone. And if you are customer service, you need to realize it's your job, and as a Christian especially, to exhibit grace in serving someone else. I tell you what, that is a lost art in our nation. Customer service is at an all-time low. Part of it is because of the politics. Listen to me. And I debated whether to put this in the sermon or not. You say, you mean one-third of the population of the Roman Empire were slaves in Paul's day, and he recognized it and validated it? Actually, what he said was, if you're a slave and you can be free, take advantage of it. But he also said, we are all slaves purchased by Jesus Christ. It was, Paul did not see it as his task to overturn the practice of slavery. He saw his prime directive as preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. If I wander occasionally into political topics, I say to myself, be careful then, because this is not that important. And that is not the purpose of this pulpit. Are there inequities? Is there unfairness? Yes, there will always be problems in our culture. And in every culture, there is something that is unbiblical and ungodly. Every culture, perhaps the most notorious in our culture is abortion, which is murder. But in every culture, there is something that is ungodly. And it is not my job to speak politics to you. It is my responsibility to share the Word of God that it may change your life. And may God get the glory when all that is done. He's the one. We lift Him up. And He's the one that does the work. And He's the one that gets the glory. Serve as if you were serving Jesus Christ. You say, well, I can't... Some people in ministry say, I love the ministry, I just hate people. Well, guess what? The ministry is all about people. And people need a personal touch. Serve as if you were serving Jesus Christ. Even when somebody treats you badly, you serve them like Jesus would and you serve them as if it were Jesus you were talking to. Serve them like Christ. How do you do that? You serve them sincerely as you would serve Christ. Chapter 6, part, first part of verse 5. As slaves of Christ, there it is. As slaves of Christ, do the will of God with all your heart. Chapter the last half of chapter 6, verse 6. We are all servants of Christ. We have a master and we serve everybody by looking at it as we're serving Him. 
in your heart, in your mind, treat them the way Jesus would. I'm sorry, treat them as you would as if they were Jesus. Well, both is true, right? Serve them as Jesus would and serve them as serving Christ himself. Verse 7, as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Whatever job you have, whatever task you're performing, you can serve them as if you were working. Your master is Jesus. Serve them as if you were serving the Lord, that you're working for the Lord. And your working will bring Him glory. Listen, if you have a Christian employer, and I've seen this, you have a Christian employer and you expect him to cut you some slack, and you feel like I don't have to be a great worker for him because he's a Christian and he's supposed to treat me a certain way. He's supposed to go easy on me. No, that's not a Christian attitude. If you've got a Christian employer, you thank God that you've got a Christian employer and you work hard for the glory of God. We shame our Savior's name when we do not serve to the best of our ability. Oh man, there's a lot of people need to hear that in our world today. People don't want to work. They're being paid not to work. They'd rather stay home and not go work on the job. Employers cannot find employees. It is honorable to work. And it is even more honorable to work hard and work in sincerity. Not only that, but you obey with respect. Demonstrate, demonstrate grace when serving. Obey with respect and fear. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with, the, with deep respect and fear. You treat everybody with respect. One of the things that uh, we started with almost two years ago with the staff was a book um, about how to treat people. Everybody needs to, the deacons, Tim, read that book. And Excellence Wins, by the way, is the name of the book. If you want to look it up and learn how to serve people, Excellence Wins, uh, written by a Christian businessman. Obey with, you speak to everyone with respect, no matter how your day is going. No matter how they treat you, you treat them, you speak to them with respect, and you treat them with fear. That fear is an awe. The fear is, I don't want to disappoint you, and I don't want to disappoint my Savior. Think about that. I don't want to disappoint my boss. I've got about 300 of them. I don't want to disappoint my boss. I've actually just got one. And I'm supposed to play to an audience of one. My greatest fear every time I get up here is that I will steal his glory. I, I have to play to an audience of one. But when you're working, you do the same thing. You treat your boss, your employer, your foreman, the people you're waiting on in the restaurant, 
You treat them with respect and you fear the idea that you might disappoint them and disappoint Christ. You serve them with reverence, with respect, and with fear. You serve them with sincerity. We saw that verse early on. Serve them sincerely as you would serve Christ. Don't make it up as you go. Don't act like you're serving and enjoying it. Be sincere about it. How do I do that when the workplace is so bad? And some are. You can only do it when you realize you're working for God. You're working for Christ and not for them. That's the only way. And you, by doing that, you, Kim, you can be sincere about it. You're sincerely serving Christ. Even when the atmosphere on the workplace is bad. Now, Kim's probably going to wonder, well, does, does he know something about my workplace? That I... No, I just, I, for the guests in the room, I do that. I catch somebody looking at me and, and I engage them by calling their name. That's a Lynn thing. And I, I guess guests wonder about that. Serve them sincerely. Then notice, you must serve them by working when nobody's watching. Now, come on. Every one of you knows that guy. Most every one of you have worked with someone who only works when somebody is looking. Try to please them all the time, not just when they're watching you. That's dishonest. Do a good job. Be a good worker. I think they can probably tell when they come back and see the amount of work you've done. Uh, one of the things, there's a guy in Dilbert. I don't know if any of you read Dilbert, but there is a professional loafer that's a part of his office team. And he comes up with every way in the world to get nothing done. Don't be that guy. Work even when nobody is watching. Oh, by the way, guess who's watching? Your real boss, your real master, sees you all the time. Work with enthusiasm. As slaves of Christ, do the will of God with all your heart. Some people work with such a long face they can trip over their own chin. We call that a, well, I call it a dirty, rotten attitude. Brenda calls it a dirty, rotten, stinking attitude. I don't know what the difference is between a dirty, rotten attitude and a dirty, rotten, stinking attitude. I've never heard anybody else say that except Brenda, but that's, that's her terminology. Some people just have a dirty, rotten attitude. By the way, she's trying to hide. She's, she's back in the middle over here instead of on the front row, but... Some people just have a dirty, rotten attitude. Work with enthusiasm. By the way, young people, if you will do all of these things, you will never lack for a job. You will be sought out for advancement and for employment. Make yourself necessary by serving the Lord instead of just serving your earthly master. Work with enthusiasm 
and realize that the real pay comes from the Lord. Remember that the Lord will reward each one of us for the good we do, whether we are slaves or free. That's motivation for all of us. The real reward, the real pay is not your paycheck. It's the commendation of the Lord when we get home. And he says, well done, good and faithful servant. He said, I thought that was only for preachers. Maybe less for preachers than the rest of you. But it is for you. Whether you're a dentist or a plumber. Whether you're a teacher or a waitress at a restaurant. Your real paycheck, your real reward comes from the Lord when we get home. Then I said there's two points. Second point is demonstrate grace. Grace in the workplace, demonstrate grace when being served. You're either serving or you're being served. If you're an employer, then you demonstrate demonstrate grace to those who are working for you. If you are being served over customer service, please remember that that Filipino who answered the phone for customer service, I got a few smiles. It's okay to laugh. You know how true that is? Most customer service is exported to a foreign country right now. So when you call them in the morning, just go ahead and say, Magadanagul Magapo. <laughs> and realize they're not the one who messed up. It does no good to yell at them, to be angry at them. They're not the cause of the problem. They're actually there to try to help you solve the problem. That they can't speak English that you can understand is the fault of their employer for hiring that person on an English line. Don't berate the poor guy or gal. You're being served. Treat them with grace. Grace to the waitress. Listen, the greatest test of whether your spirituality is real or not is how you treat the person over whom you have power and authority. Think about that. We want to complain at our bosses, and we turn around and somebody is working for us, they're serving us, and we treat them badly. Is that right? No, it's not. That's not grace. By the way, in case your eyes are bad and you can't see the small print, by the way, God is watching, and He sees how much you tip the waiter. I don't know if it's true or just a slam at Baptist, but I've been told that waiters and waitresses hate to see a church group coming. God is watching when you tip your waitress. Show grace, show generosity. 
In fact, I think what Paul is saying is treat those who are serving you like you would want to be treated. That's, that's what he says. Masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Isn't that what it's talking about? Treat them the same way I've told them to treat you. The same things apply. The respect, the fear. I, I, I fear that I have to answer to my God in the way I've treated my employees. I've seen some Christian business people that are certainly going to have to stand before God and be ashamed because of how they've treated their employees. That's not right. It is no more right for an employer to treat their employee without grace than it is for an employee to take care or to take advantage of their employer because of their faith. Treat those serving you like you would want to be treated. Not only that, you have the same master. It's what Paul says. As whether you're serving or being served, the one serving has Jesus Christ as master, and the one being served has Jesus Christ as master. So when you're being served, treat them the way you would want to be treated. Treat them the way you want Jesus to treat you. And in fact, the Bible says you reap what you sow. And if you're being ungrateful, you're not being gracious, wonder how God's going to treat you. And the next time you need Him, which is all the time, remember you both have the same Master in heaven and He has no favorites. No favoritism. We're all going to answer to Him. Treat them like you want to be treated. Treat them like you want Jesus to treat you. Listen, in our world today, there's not enough practical teaching about how to treat each other in the workplace. I love the book of Ephesians. It is so practical. Our country's suffering because of it. Our churches are suffering because of it. Our families are suffering because of it. When we fail to exhibit grace, it hurts the heart of Jesus. And so, third week in a row, you remember John Coffey in the Green Mile? He talked about the glass. It's like glass in my face. He said, it hurts, boss. It hurts all the time. And when we are not graceful to each other and we are unwilling to submit to each other, it grieves the Holy Spirit of God. Our God is a God of grace. And He has graced us beyond our understanding. And we need to grace each other. My mother's name was Grace. Some of you knew her. And she lived with us near the end of her life. My mother used to sing in Zion Missionary Baptist Church. She'd get up and sing 
And I'm not going to torture. I thought about singing this, but I'm not going to torture your ears. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that will pardon and cleanse within. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is greater than all our sin. Listen, God's grace is available to you this morning. If you've never trusted Christ, He died for you. He died so that you can be saved. That salvation is available as a gift from God. All you have to do is admit that you need Christ. That you are a sinner. And you need His grace to cover your sin. Call on Him in faith. Repentance and faith. And He will save you. There may be other steps of grace that you need to take. Maybe you need to come for baptism. Come for church membership. And that's included in this invitation. But look up here. I said to you last week, I believe in practical preaching. And I believe in practical invitations. Maybe you have not been the employee that you need to be. Why not meet with Jesus right here, right now? Maybe you've not been graceful to those who serve you, whether employees or waiters, waitresses, the clerk behind the counter. Maybe you've not been graceful. And you know that God is not pleased. Let this day be the start of a new practice and a new relationship with those you serve or those who serve you. Mutual submission that just as we have been graced by God, that we grace each other Amen. in the workplace. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, I thank you for this day, the opportunity again of preaching your word. Lord, I pray that you would bless your word to the hearts of the hearers. And I pray that you would move in this congregation today with conviction and with direction. I pray for those who need to make life-changing decisions that they will come for salvation, for baptism, for church membership, a call to ministry, whatever you're speaking to their hearts. But Lord, I pray that you'd speak to every single person Lord, that you would change our stubborn hearts to be submissive to one another and to treat each other with grace. While your heads are bowed, I just want to ask you, is there someone here that you need for me to pray for you? Maybe about salvation, a decision of church membership or baptism. Nobody else is looking around, just me. Would you just slip up your hand and say, Pastor, I need you to pray for me. Anyone? Anyone? God bless you. God bless you. I see your hand as well. God bless you. How many would raise their hand and say, Pastor, I didn't necessarily enjoy that sermon, but I sure did need it. And I intend to make a commitment of grace in the workplace. Would you raise your hands? I already see one, a dozen. 
God bless you. Make that decision for the glory of God.